0: When things like that happen in your life, maybe it's not losing a work, maybe it is losing a job, but maybe it's not. But when things uh, creep in that make you uh, uh, get afraid, the stress begins to rise. right? How do we typically respond? That's what we're going to talk about today. Today is going to be a message about how do we remain and stay faithful. So here's a typical question that gets asked, it's going to be on the screen, whenever we get financially afraid, and the question that we begin to ask is this, how do I get more? How do I get more? Like when we go to the dentist, I have 20-year-old eight girls whose teeth are all a mess. And when the dentist tells us, hey, you know that your twins are going to have to have braces, well, that's not cheap if you're a dentist. I would love to make, be your best friend, right? I want you to help me out, right? But when you, when, Or when you begin to evaluate things in your home and you see the driveways crumbling or you see things in your foundation beginning to shift or you see the wind blow over your fence, Right? And all of a sudden, you see these expenses that your current emergency fund or savings account won't fix, right? And so that's when I start going, how do I get more? I'm just like you guys. How do, Lord, how do I get more? And I'm faithful in my giving. How do, I, how do I get more? Like, can I start driving for Uber at night, right? Or better yet, can Jen start driving for Uber at night, my wife? Like, how, could, could Jen drive for Uber and also deliver Amazon packages while she's doing both of those things? So we double the income uh, in that. But okay, so... But we all feel that. There's times we're like, how do I get more? Do I pick up a second job? Do I work extra hours? Do we feel more? That's where we get to practice the first principle we learned this week in week one, right? Maybe you can put this in your notes again. But whenever we feel that uh, pressure and we get stressful, that's our opportunity to practice this. Trust the provider, not the provision. To trust the provider, not the provision. If we're honest, oftentimes we trust our money. We're trusting our money to see us through, not the one who gives us our resources, not the provider guide. Uh, After the first week of the 90 day Tithe Challenge, a friend of mine named Alan, he signs the 90 day Tithe Challenge card. The next day, his wife's car breaks. Beyond repair, he has to take it and get a new car. And he called me, he said, I am choosing to be faithful, even though this was unexpected. Right? And he he used this phrase he said, Matt, I want you to know that I'm trusting the provider, not my provision. I'm trusting the provider, not my provision. So, as we process that, again, you practice your faith. Hear that. You have to practice your faith. You have to continue to get uh, uh, strong in how you process when you begin to get afraid of money. Because here's where a question that we could, could be asking, it's a little bit better question, is this. Why do I already have so much? Right? It says so much in my notes, but it's so much. Why do we already have so much? And so week two, we talked about how it's important to live within your budget, right? Whose budget do you live within? Yeah, like here's, the, here's the little quote that we put up. Much, if not all, of your economic pressure is self-inflicted. Why? Because we take our income and try to live on someone else's budget. And this is what gets a lot of us in trouble. You, you receive a certain paycheck, but your paycheck doesn't match the lifestyle that you want to live. And you want to live how your parents live in, and you want to live in the neighborhood that they live in, and you want to drive the kind of cars your parents drive or your grandparents drive. And the truth is, they've lived a lot longer, they've saved a lot more money, they make more money than you. But yet we say, no, 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 I want to receive my income, but I want to live like the rich and famous. Can't do it. When you do that, it puts you in a place where you cannot be generous. You cannot save because you're living beyond your means. That's why we have this foundation scripture, and it's been our foundation scripture through this entire series, 1 Timothy 6.17, right? Let's look at this. Paul tells Timothy this, teach, right? So Paul is telling Timothy to instruct, to teach those who are rich in this world. Who's rich? Yeah, Yeah, go back to week one. Everybody in this room is rich. You may not think you're rich because rich is a moving target, right? If you ask people who make $40,000 a year, who's rich? They say $75,000 a year earners. And those of you who make $75,000, yeah, I'm not rich, people who make $150,000 are rich. And the people who make $150,000 I'm not rich, and they, it just keeps going because rich is a moving target. We're all rich. Paul says, Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, watch this next line, and not to trust in their what? Not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. And here is the key point for today. Their trust should be in who? God, say that with me. Their trust should be in... Let's make it personal. It's, it's easy to talk about other people, right? Let's talk about my trust should be in, my trust should be in, not in money because money's so unreliable. Isn't it easy to talk about other people? It's challenging when we talk about ourselves, right? Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share it with others. Here is what we want to talk about today. It's this right here, it's a statement. Financial fears dissipate when faith in God escalates. It's like a nerdy phrase, right? But you guys get it, right? Financial fears dissipate when faith in God escalates. Don't you write that down? and We're going to unpack this a little bit more. Because this is, this is going to be so good, because you can take this, what we're going to talk about next, and you can apply it to any area of your life. Because some of you may not have financial fears. You may be more than enough. You may be loaded, right? But there's other areas in your life where fears creep in. So let's look at this. Here's the next statement. Fear is the enemy of faith. Fear is the enemy of faith. If there's anything in your life that's creating fear, you're not a person of faith in that area of your life. Okay, so let's go back to that little statement that you filled in. Financial fears dissipate when faith in God escalates. When your financial fears are up here, okay, look at me, up here, your faith is down here. Okay, when your faith is up here, your financial fears or your fears are down here. This can never be true. Your fears and your faith can never be up here because fear is the enemy of faith. This morning at 3 a.m. I woke up, Scared to death. I don't know. This happens to me sometimes. And I just it has nothing to do with money. It has to do with losing my children or losing my wife. Just these, these crazy thoughts. And I have to slay in bed and I have to just quote scripture and trust in the promises of God. And I do. My wife's asleep right beside me. We've got family in our house, so my son's sleeping on an air mattress at the foot of our bed. And nobody knows this conversation's going on except me and the good Lord. And I'm laying in bed, and my fears are up here, and my faith is down here that God's going to keep my family safe. And I have to, right? I have to quote Scripture and trust the Lord in this area of my life, so that because it can't be this. I would have never gone back to sleep, right? When your financial fears dissipate, faith in God escalates. I want to help us, right, have greater faith in God. So here's here's how we're going to do this this morning. The question is this, will you trust God's wisdom in this area of your life? Because some of us have financial fears, financial stresses, financial anxieties, but you've yet to impart God's wisdom into this area of your life. Some of you don't even know what God's wisdom is in this area of your life because God gets to be over everything in your life except your money. It's like you got baptized with your wallet sticking out of the water, right? We call that the economic atheist, the person who trusts God in every area of your life, but there is no God over your money. You're the God over your money. So the challenge today is, and the challenge has been, will you trust God's wisdom in this area of your life? Now I want to talk to you about this. I want to give you a mathematical wisdom, mathematical word problems. My kids are eight and six, twin eight-year-old girls and six-year-old son, and um, I'm beginning to say, "How do I disciple my kids in the home?" Right? They all can read now, so they're able to read their Bibles. Um, they're like, "It's kind of fun," but now it's this pressure on old dad, on Pastor Matt. Right? How am I going to disciple in the home? Right? How is church not just something I do at my job, and how do I take my Christian faith that I imparted even more intentionally into my home? So two weeks ago, we began having a conversation about wisdom. I had my kids read James chapter one verse five. If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives it generously and without reprimand. And I said, "What is uh, God? Uh, what do we? What are we supposed to ask for in this verse?" And the, the kids all said, "Wisdom." It took some of them a little bit to connect what the request was. Right. And so, as a dad, I'm saying, how do I teach my kids wisdom? Well, they're also all doing math problems, and they all hate them, right? So I'm like, why not give them one more to hate, right? (laughs) And so, um, this is is what we did with my kiddos. And so, I want to give it to you. It's super simple. You're not going to be inspired by this other than maybe to, to use it with your kiddos, right? But here it is. Here's the mathematical wisdom. When you know it and you do it, that is wisdom. My friend Mike Grubb says, wisdom is knowledge applied. Wisdom is not just knowing something. A lot of us know stuff. Wisdom is when you know it plus you do it. That equals wisdom. Are you with me? Told you it's so easy. When you know it and you don't do it, that is foolishness. When you know it but you don't do it, you've got the information but you refuse to use it, that means you are foolish. Ooh, that doesn't feel good. Matt, you're calling me foolish. No, I'm not. You call yourself that. If you know something yet you don't do it, that makes you foolish. And then I said, hey, hey, kiddos, I said, when you don't know it and you don't do it, that makes you ignorant. Ignorance is not a bad word, right? Ignorance simply means that you don't currently have an understanding of something, right? There was a time when you were ignorant on how to drive a car. My wife still can't drive my Jeep. It's a stick shift. She is ignorant of driving a stick shift. She refuses to learn. She's a knucklehead, right? <laughs> but ignorant is I don't know it and I don't do it. Some of us think that ignorance is bliss. Sad part for you is you're here this morning, and you're hearing this financial message. You no longer get to be ignorant. You can be foolish, but you can't be ignorant, right? And so I give those three, and my daughter, Christy, my second twin, she says, what happens if you don't know it, but you do it? I go, well, you're lucky, right? (laughs) Daddy thought quick on his feet, Right. She says, what happens if you don't know it, But you do? And I go, well, that makes you lucky. And some of you have been lucky in your finances. You were given, you, you chose a career path that has blessed the snot out of you financially. And you have, honestly, you have more money than you can use. You do fairly well. And so you, you are, uh, and you know, I'm not saying that you don't use biblical principles or financial principles. You do, but you, you have enough, right? Very few of us, though, are lucky, right? Too many times we've been ignorant. Not anymore. Now we get to choose. Will I be wise? Will I know it and do it? Or will I choose foolishness? Will I know it but not do it? And young people in the room, young leaders in the room, man, lean into this. You may go, well, I don't even have this stuff. Listen, you will, you will thank me 10, 15 years down the road if you will get these principles down now. It'll set your life in a totally different direction. So do you want to be wise or do you want to be foolish? I think it's a good choice, right? And wisdom, again, is when we know it, and we also do it. And so here's the thing, when I trust God, let's kind of walk through this now. When I trust God, I will do what he says. Okay? When you're when you have faith in God, right? You will trust that what his his wisdom is true and you will do what he says. When I do what God says, it shows that I love God. Well, Matt, that's a stretch. Actually, it's not a stretch at all. God's love language is obedience. Well, Matt, how do you how, how can you say that? Well, I didn't. Jesus said it. John 14:15. Jesus says, "If you love me, Obey my commands. Jesus said that. He said, if you love me, don't pray harder. It's not about going to church more. It's about if you love me, do the things I ask you to do. Do the things I tell you to do. When I tell you to do something, you go, no, I don't want to do that. Well, that's your choice. But then don't say, oh, yeah, I love God. No, no, you don't. God's love language is obedience. And here's what I believe to be true. The more you and I love God, the more you and I follow his commands, the less and less you will love God money. I didn't say the less and less you will need money or the less or less you will use money. I'm talking now this slippery slope of the love of money. Okay? The love of money. The more you love God, the less you'll love money. The more you trust the provider, the less you'll trust the provision. You're always going to need the provision. You're always going to need resources to live in this world, but it doesn't have to be the thing that holds your heart. God can get your heart and use your wallet to bless your life and to bless others. Notice what 1 Timothy 10 says in this. Timothy says, Paul says again to Timothy, For the love of money, not the use of money, right? That word love is important. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Notice this. Some people, eager for money, maybe eager for more money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Many people have wandered from the faith because they want more money. They need more money. They love their money. And because of that, they've wandered from the f- their faith and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, some of you might say, Well, I, I don't love money. Like, and that's one, I rarely ever hear anybody say that. I've never had anybody come to me after services and go, Pastor Mouse, can you pray? Because I just really love money. I've never heard that, and I've never heard, hey, Pastor Ray, can you pray for me because I'm just really prideful? Nobody's ever said that. Those two things you never hear people say, right? But here's what we can know. You might, you might, you might say, hey, I don't love money. <coughs> That's fine. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not saying you do. I'm not trying to put something on you. But here's what I think we might say is truthful, is that money creates strong emotions in our life. Could you at least agree with that? Like when you look at your bank statement in your checking account, your savings account, when that bill comes in or something breaks, and those zeros or lack of zeros create emotions in your life. It can make you feel good because you have a lot, or it can make you w- weary and afraid because you don't have very much. You can, you can have some there and all of a sudden something break, and then now, oh my gosh, it's, you're writing a big check to fix the transmission to Andrew Black. Andrew Black will fix your transmission. You give Andrew your hard-earned money, right? And it's like, oh my gosh, I know I got to do this and I know I need to do this, but this is scary to me because I'm, I'm, I'm giving this money away. Are you with me? Money creates strong emotions. So you may not love money, but let's be realistic and say, but it creates strong emotions in my life. So let's not make sure, let's be careful of this. Um, well, here's why. Think about, Think about it like this. What are the first two words that every little baby boy or girl says? Now, not mama or daddy, because you had to teach them to say that. What is like the first word that every kiddo says that has no training required? No. What's the second one? Mm. Gold star for Matt Maestas. That's why he's on the teaching team, right? Yeah, you don't have to teach a kid no, right? I mean, if you, had kid, you don't have to teach a kid no, and you don't have to teach a kid mine, mine, my toy. See, when you give away your money, it is so unnatural because we depend on it so much. Like giving, giving money away is so unnatural because naturally we say mine. We're going to talk about this later in the year, but here's a little quote. Mine is the antithesis of generosity. You want to pursue a, a lifestyle of whole life generosity? Here's what I'll tell you. that attitude of mine, that word mine, will kill your, your, your journey towards being a whole life generosity. You're not going to serve because it's your time. You can't give because that's my money. You can't do this because it's mine, mine. It's like those seagulls on Nemo. Mine, my mind, my mind, right? It's, it's what we feel like. Well, again, I have small kids. Some of you are like, Nemo? Who's Nemo? Yeah, right. It's not that good. I'm not really a big fan. Sorry mine generosity is not natural for us but it needs to be it's the antithesis that mine of of giving it away notice what paul says paul gives this axiom he gives this illustration in second corinthians 9 and he's talking to people about <laughs> generating some resources for a church that's in trouble and this is what he says to the church in Corinth. He says, whoever sows seeds sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows seeds generously will also reap generously. I don't know if there's very many farmers in here, but I grew up in a farming community. I went home two weeks ago, a week ago from my grandmother's funeral, and they just got all the crops brought in, a lot of rice, soybean, that sort of stuff. And they're taught the, I would go have breakfast with my dad down at a place called Miss Addie's, and the farmers would all talk about what is, what is the grain going for right? They're curious, what's it costing? What are they getting paid per bushel? And so I understand a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit of how this principle works, but it's really simple. If if you take <coughs> excuse me, a small number of seed and you throw it out, do you get a big crop or a small crop? <coughs> yeah, you get a small crop. But those farmers that go out and they plant a whole field, then they get a whole crop. See, God has given you seed to sow. The resources that you have are the seed that God has given you. He's given you seed to spend, seed to save. He's given you seed to pay your bills with, and he's given you seed to give. And every portion of that seed, we give expecting something in return. Like I put it down like this, the farmer, <coughs> excuse me. The farmer who sows doesn't lose his seed, he gains a crop. Let me say that again. The farmer who sows his seed doesn't lose his seed, he gains a crop. When you give something away, right, you expect it to return. Like if you spend it, you expect to have a product. Like did anybody do any like shopping on Friday, Saturday? You gave money, but you got something in return. You didn't just give money to Amazon, Walmart, Target, or somebody else and then walk out of the store without something in your hands. No, you expect something in return, right? When you give your time, you expect fruit from your time. That It wasn't time wasted. When you pay your bills, your electricity is going to stay on right? When you pay your mortgage, the bank leaves you alone and you get to live in your house, right? We get something for return. When we give, right, there's something spiritual that takes place. And whatever you give, Paul says that's going to uh, impact what you what you, uh, what you reap, what you continue to sow. So let's look at this key statement for today. We're going to look at four key words from this statement as we think about sowing generously. Here we go. It says this You have the opportunity to trust God's economic promises and faithfully return the whole tithe. When you think about sowing seed, when you think about being a farmer and God has given you this seed that's financial and uh, you're trying to trust God, not the provision, you have the opportunity every day, every time you get paid, you have the opportunity to trust God's economic promises and faithfully return the whole tithe. What's that economic promises? His wisdom. You get to trust his wisdom in Scripture, not Matt's wisdom. You know what I loved about Kathleen's story when we filmed that? She never said, Matt, because you said. Matt, I lost my job, and I called you, and you talked me into giving more. My name was never brought up. What was brought up time and time again in that interview is she sensed that God was saying, God was saying, through her Bible reading, through her prayer life, that God was saying, because I am not after your money whatsoever, right? Right? I want you to trust God. Get that faith in God up here so that you can be financially free in your thinking. You have the opportunity to trust God's economic promises and faithfully return the whole tithe. Four words that I want to talk about from that statement. I want to talk about opportunity. I want to talk about the word faithful. I want to talk about the word return. And I want to talk about the word tithe just real quick. okay? Here's what I want to say with opportunity. An opportunity, they come and they go. Does anybody in the room ever missed an opportunity? Come on. Anybody ever missed an opportunity? We've all missed opportunities. Opportunities aren't sure things, right? So when you think about this, using God's wisdom in your finances, you don't have to do it. Please hear this. You don't have to do it. You get to. It's an opportunity before you. If you never impart any of these things that I'm talking about today in the previous two weeks, I'm not coming and banging on your door asking you what's wrong with you. I'm not doing that, right? Right? Because it's not a, well, I'll get to it in a second, because it's not a salvation issue. This is a maturing issue. But you have the opportunity. Much of life, think about this. I mean, this is kind of like a theme for me. Much of your spiritual life is not about what you have to do. It's about what you get to do. And if you approach following Jesus as a set list of what you have tos, you're like, think about like if your relationship with your girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse was a have to relationship, what does that feel like? Does that feel like a lot of love? Oh, I have to give her a kiss this morning. Jen may feel that way, right, towards me. I get to kiss her. That's fun, right? Well, I have to hug my kids and take them, I have to take them to school. No, 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 no. I get to do these things. Well, I have to come to church today and preach. No, I no, no I, don't. My, actually, my daughter Allie asked me yesterday. She said, Daddy, as the boss of the church, well, she calls me, I'm the boss of the church. Um, she says, the boss of the church, can you quit? And I go, I could. I don't know why I would. She was like, oh, <laughs> I was curious. I do go Do you know something I don't know? No, you know doesn't need be. <laughs> I have an opportunity to have this job. It's pretty great, right? Let's talk about faithful, right? When you, when you step into faithfully giving financially, it's not about emotional. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we're emotional givers. We give when the message is good. We give when we believe in the cause. We, we give when our heart is pulled into it. What I've been talking to you for the past three weeks is how do you give faithfully? How do you give when you, because you simply say you're going to? So it's a lot less about emotional giving, and it's more about loyalty giving. Like, I'm going to give back to God because I said I would. That's what Kathleen said in her video. I need that money. I've lost my job. And she had put some back in savings. Well, I need that money. I need that money. But she said, you know what? I made a commitment. I'm going to be, she used the word, faithful in my giving. And I'm not saying, I'm, emotional giving is good. Sometimes you give more because something really grabs your heartstrings. Totally fine. But there's also this aspect of giving faithfully simply because you said you'd do it. How about this one? Return. What, what does that even mean when you think about spiritually? Well, we believe at New City Church that everything we have comes from God. Everything. And so if we borrow something, if God lets us borrow something, if God gives us something to use for his benefit, we get to return it back to the one who gave it. And so if God gives you 100% of your income, he doesn't ask for 100% back. He says, hey, will you at least give me 10% of it back? I made the statement through this series that throughout the scriptures, you find two percentage points. You see the 10%, the tithe, or the 100%. All throughout the Old Testament, you see uh, the, the principle of the tithe being established, and you see Jesus noticing the widow's might the widow's might, where she gave 100% of what she had. And I'm like, some, some people say, well, I don't think the tithe's biblical. Well, it's give somewhere between the tithe and 100%, because those are the only two percentage points that you find in the scripture. But we return it however you want to do it. You return it, you give it back to God. And then there's that word, the tithe. And I got to talk about this one again, because um, people can, can over thir- three weeks, they continue to use this word wrong. And they say, oh, I gave my tithe. I gave my tithe. I gave my 20 bucks. I gave my tithe. And, and they don't understand that the tithe literally means something. A tithe means one-tenth. It means 10%. So if you made $100 this week and you gave eight fifty, you didn't tithe. Are you with me? A tithe means you move the decimal one time, boop, $10, that's a tithe. And oftentimes we just get in this habit of saying, oh, yeah, I tithed. It's like the kid who comes home with a report card and says, I made all A's, two B's, and a C. So you didn't make all A's. I hate that, right? Well, I made all A's and four C's. So you had one A and four C's, so you almost made all C's, right? <laughs> <laughs> These are the things that mess with me. This is what keeps me up at night, folks, that and fear. Um, but like, the, it's, so it's one-tenth. Now, so i put this quote in here because I think it's good. The tithe is never a specific number, but rather a specific percentage. $10? No. 25 no, it's, it's, the tithe is not a number amount. It's not 15 bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. A tithe is a, a specific percentage point. And this is why I think following God sometimes is so practical <coughs> because He didn't make it complicated. <coughs> no matter what you make, whether your income changes week to week because you're, you don't have a set salary, every time you get paid, just move that decimal one time. And that is the return, that is the gift back to God. <coughs> Excuse my cough, too much turkey. Here are four questions that, I, that I've gotten over this past week about tithing, or these past three weeks. Number one, do I tithe off my net or my gross? My response could be, do you want a net blessing or a gross blessing? That's kind of funny, right? I'll also answer it like this. When people say, "What well, do I tithe off the net or the gross? And if you don't know what those terms mean, do you tithe off the bigger number? And I'm like, you know what? When the bank comes to you when you're wanting to buy a house and they ask you how much money you make, do you give them the net number or the gross number? That'll get you right, Mister Ames likes that one, right? You just, but it's your decision, right? You give from the heart. You decide what it is that you want to do. Okay, number two, should I tithe if my spouse is against it? No, this is not tithing is not meant to drive a wedge between you and your family. What I have seen happen over and over again is the, the the spouse that wants to tithe might tithe off of their income. I've seen where the spouse would tithe off of his income and then ask his wife, hey, could we try this for a month? And if God, kind of like they do their own 90-day tithe challenge. And they say, "Hey, if you haven't seen God be faithful, then we'll stop it. Uh, But we have a lot of um, homes here at New City where the husband or the wife don't attend and there's a one-income tither. But please don't make this a fight in your home. Please don't make this a fight in your home. Number three, is tithing a salvation issue? Absolutely not. (laughs) No, it's not. Don't, don't make tithing about, about your salvation. Like This is a completely, it's a spiritual maturity issue. It's not a salvation, a salvation issue. And number four, can I tithe my time instead of tithing my money? No. And I'm not saying that like sarcastically. I, God asked for your time. I wrote this down. God asked for your time and for you to serve, but nowhere in Scripture does God ever ask you to trade time for a tithe. Well, man, I, I don't give my money. Instead, I give my time. And everybody that's tithing and serving goes, so, right? I mean, just being honest, right? We go, great. No, but you know where in Scripture do you see God asking you to make a trade-off for that? And so we want to give you a chance to take a chance. And this is, like I said, this is the last time I'm going to talk about it until next year. But we've been talking about the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. We've had 99 families sign up for this, and I want to share again with you what it is. Because I want to encourage you to do this. Because Monday is when I start my devotions towards you guys, towards me, okay? So here's the 90-day tithe challenge. If over the next 90 days, you will commit to tithing off of any income that you get, okay, 10%, at the conclusion of 90 days, (coughs) excuse me, at the end of January, that'll be the 90 days, at the end of January, if you don't feel like God's come through for you, and if you feel like He's completely let you down, we will write you a check with 100% of your giving over the next 90 days. This is risk-free, right? Now, it's a, complete lack of, I mean, it's a complete principle of trust because I don't know what you make, and we're not asking you what you make. We're just trusting that what you give is your tithe. But at the conclusion of 90 days, you say, hey, Matt, um, God was not faithful. <coughs> I don't need that one. Um, <laughs> then we'll give it back to you. We'll give it back to you. And uh, I want to encourage you to take this step of faith. I want to encourage you. So on this sheet right here, it's kind of hard to read, but it's in your bulletin. It's in your, in your handout that you got this morning is it says, um, realizing that trust is the single important factor in a relationship with God. God says, test me now in this, Malachi 3.10. I take this step of trust by committing the first 10% of my income to the Lord through New City Church. Now, real quick, the guy that came and sat by me yesterday, his name's Chuck. He said, here's what he's learning in his life. If he takes his money and he pays all of his bills and he spends it, and then what's left over, he tithes, he said, That's not a true tithe. He goes, I tithe off of the leftovers. I take 10% off of what's left. He said, What I'm learning is God goes first to trust the provider, not the provision. So when I get paid, the first 10% I take is what goes to God. And so here are your options I will begin tithing for the first time, I will return to tithing, and I already tithe. And I put that on there because if you are, I just want to know about it. I want to celebrate that with you. That's the box that I checked, right? and then fill out the information, and then we're going to start this journey together tomorrow. And we're going to begin learning. I'm going to share some stories with you. I'm going to share some fun things that people are going through and people are learning. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to challenge one another. We're going to help one another, and we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate how God is doing this. And again, at the end of it, if you're like, Matt, I'm not going to put your name up on the screen with a big picture, right, like a post office mugshot, not doing that, right? If you're like, hey, no, this didn't work, we'll just give your money back for those 90 days, and it's a simple way to take a step towards the tithe. Okay, I'm done. I'm going to share this and I'm out of here. I want you to have peace in your finances. A lot of us in this room, we have this. And a lot of us in this room, you don't. And I, did, I didn't say I want you to be rich and I want you to be wealthy and I want you to be able to drive that Porsche and that Corvette and whatever. Here's what I said. I want you to have peace in your finances because you trust the provider more than the provision, you're taking your income and you're living within your budget, and you don't have fears. Here's the beautiful thing. When I hear about braces and when I see things at my house that needs to be fixed, right? I know that God is aware of those things. And I know that God knows that Jen and I, we give more than 10%. This is my story. And so when I get financially afraid, and even us tithers, we get financially afraid because stuff comes up. When those things enter into my mind, right, and all the stuff, reality approaches, and it's time to buy braces, I get to say, God, it's your problem. God, you got... To, I, I, I'm not losing sleep at night because I'm worried about money. There's peace there because I'm choosing to trust my provider over my provision. If you're here and you're like stressed out max because of your finances, well, you, I encourage you to lean into the Scripture and see what the Bible says about you and your money. I'd love to take you to coffee and hear your story and encourage you. You're like, Matt, you're just after my money. Hear this first-timer, second-timer. I am not after your money. If you don't want to give your 10% here, give it somewhere else. But I can't be the reason that you don't give because you don't trust a pastor, you don't trust a church. The biblical principle is still there throughout Scripture. The tithe. And so if you don't trust New City or you don't trust the church down the street, I promise you there's a coworker, there's a family in your neighborhood, there's a family member in your family that could use that 10% blessing to help them in their life. Choose to be generous. And in the meantime, like I've said many times before, I want to work to earn your trust so that you can... If you weren't here last Sunday, this past year, New City Church gave away $108,000 in 2017. That's crazy, right? That's the most we've ever given away. Last year... Last year, we gave away $77,000. We set a goal this year to give away $100,000 to be generous to things outside of New City Church. For being six years old and being able to... I'm, I take a lot of pride in that, a lot of good pride, because we can't outgive God. So if you don't trust us, again, I'm, I'm very, I want to be very clear. I will not be the reason that you choose not to be generous. Give it somewhere else. I hope you can give it here. We had the biggest offering we had last year, last Sunday. Because people chose to give faithfully on our Thanksgiving offering. It's fantastic. But man, take that 90-day tithe card, challenge card, fill it out, and join with us. And if you're scared to death, good. Oftentimes when there's an opportunity to follow God, it should be scary. If obedience was always easy, we'd always be obedient. And sometimes it's like you're standing on the edge and you're like, I can't do this. And that's when God says, duh. That's why you call him your daddy, right? So giving is a great way to practice faith in God and the decreasing of fears in your life, amen? I'm going to ask our ushers to come as I pray for us today. Thank you guys for being here on this Thanksgiving Sunday and for being so attentive in this series. And um, Jesus, would you pray with me? Jesus, would you bless our resources? So many people are stepping out in faith right now. They're trusting you uh, with their resources, and it's quite scary. God, would you bless them? Would you show them uh, uh, that you are being faithful already? Not just at the conclusion of 90 days, that you're being uh, faithful now. So Father God, thank you so much for that. I look forward to celebrating with those who are on this journey with me. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.